if somebody can go to Bedsider and figure out what birth control that they want and then go to another website and get that birth control prescribed, I think that just makes sense. And it makes a lot of sense for generations that have done everything online their whole lives. So I think e-visits for contraception and e-visits for lots of other types of healthcare are, are probably the way of the future. Can starting a new birth control method or changing your birth control method be as easy as opening an app, answering a few questions about your health, and then picking up your prescription? E-visits for contraception are increasingly popular, whether they're offered through clinics or through online-only services. Dr. Eliza Bennett, an OBGYN at UW Health, and Nicole Shapiro, nurse practitioner and certified nurse midwife at UW Health, join the Women's Health Cast to talk about e-visits for birth control how the process works, what kinds of birth control are available using this service, and why they launched an e-visit system for UW Health patients. From the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, I'm Jackie Askins, and you're listening to the Women's HealthCast. I'm very excited to welcome two guests today to the Women's HealthCast. We are joined by Dr. Eliza Bennett and Nicole Shapiro. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm really glad to join you. Thanks so much for having us. We are going to talk today about e-visits for birth control or contraceptive care, and I'm very excited to learn a little bit more about what's going on at our institution and sort of the the concept of an e-visit more broadly. Um, But before we jump into that, can you tell me a little bit about your practices, your specialties, and why people come to see you? So um, this is Eliza Bennett talking. I am a a generalist OBGYN, which means that I uh, offer comprehensive uh, Uh, obstetric and gynecologic care um, with a particular focus on contraception and family planning. Um, And in that focus, I work both in my clinic and I also work with our local Planned Parenthood offering contraceptive care. My name is Nicole Shapiro. I'm a women's health nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. Um, And I care for patients um, both um, in obstetric care and women's health care um, in the outpatient setting. Um, Today, we're going to talk a little bit about e-visits for contraception. So I know that you just launched a new system for patients uh, who can, well, we'll learn a little bit more about how the system works in a minute. Um, But to start with, can you help define an e-visit for me? What does that mean when we're talking about these? Sure. Um, So In this context, we're talking about what we call asynchronous visits. So um, a visit, uh, it's an appointment, sort of, that a patient would make online through the MyChart application that we use at UW Health. Um, And the patient would indicate what they're looking for in this um, online questionnaire um, and enter their responses to some some questions. And then at a later point in time, a clinician like myself or Dr. Bennett would um, receive the responses and then we can prescribe contraception if appropriate. 
And I think one of the benefits of this is that what Nicole highlighted, which is it's fully remote. So a patient can decide at midnight that they're interested in birth control. Get online, fill out this questionnaire, and then within a day or or two, they'll get a response um, and can have their birth control prescribed to the pharmacy of their choice without ever having to make time in their schedule to have a video visit or get to a clinic for an in-person visit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't even have to speak to anyone on the phone or interact. It's kind of like the Uber Eats of contraception. So it sounds like people can take care of this sort of e-visit on their own time, truly at any time, without having to schedule an appointment or anything. Just go in, fill out a questionnaire, and get the process started right away whenever it pops into their head. Do you have a sense of if e-visits or this like mode of providing healthcare is becoming more popular? Yeah, what actually um, initiated my interest in this was the proliferation of online um, birth control provision. So even prior to the pandemic, this was starting to be available online. Uh, two companies that were really um, kind of instrumental in pioneering this were Nurex, which is a Norwegian company, and then uh, a smaller uh, group uh, called the Pill Club um, that briefly changed their name, but I believe have changed their name back to the Pill Club. Um, and both of these um, uh, organizations offered fully online remote birth control access at low cost um, to patients. What makes an e-visit through your health system, so like you just launched this at UW Health, different from using one of those pre-existing online um, birth control providers? So I think one of the the big differences is the knowledge of patients and the ability to use uh, insurance. Um, so when when we get in and look in a patient's chart who's filled out a questionnaire, we have the ability to also see all of their other visits, their allergies, uh, their past blood pressures, all of that sort of information that contributes to our ability to safely prescribe birth control. Um, and then uh, insurance access is huge. So insurance is required to cover contraception, um, but a lot of these online providers won't bill insurance directly or take insurance. Uh, if you're within your state and working within your health system, then you can get your own insurance to cover that that visit. So it kind of sounds like a little bit the best of both worlds in terms of convenience and ease of use for patients and working with a, a doctor or a provider who like knows you, has met you, remembers maybe, can look back through your records and see if there are any question marks or red flags in your answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, after having um, worked some of these e-visits at this point, I'll say too that um, having access to the medical record can be really helpful on the provider end in um, getting information that helps us complete the e-visit. So um, part of this, I think, is just because this is a new process that we're implementing, There are some kinks here and there. There have been a couple of times when patients have um, answered their questionnaire in ways that were um, left questions about what the preferred method of contraception might be. Um, So sometimes when I'm able to kind of dig through the chart and read other things, other encounters, see like a my chart message that was sent, it it helps me too. Um, So I have found that to be useful. 
Yeah, good. A fuller picture of really what folks are, where they're coming from and what they're asking for. Yeah, I think a, a local healthcare provider um, really offers a more personal experience, even though it's a fully remote visit. Is there also a difference in what kinds of methods can be prescribed from a fully online um, system versus working through your own health system? Yeah, so I think one of the ways that our um, our e-visit program is different and in some ways maybe more comprehensive than like something like the Pill Club, for example, um, patients can use the e-visit to also initiate um, or kind of get the process started for initiating a non-pill method of contraception or like a non-pharmacy-prescribed like method of contraception, like a patch or a ring or a pill. Um, so if patients are interested in something like a LARC, a long-acting reversible contraceptive method, like an IUD or an implant, they can indicate that. And then it, instead of then us having to have the patient find a local provider who can provide that service, we can have our schedulers reach out to them and schedule that appointment for them. Okay. Yeah. So it opens up an additional arm of like birth control options as well. That's great. Who, um, in our system at least, who is eligible for these kinds of visits? So currently, because of, mostly because of billing uh, requirements, the patients that are eligible have to be a patient that's established with the OBGYN department. So has been seen um, within our specialty within the last three years. What about age restrictions? Yes, there are age restrictions. It has to be an adult patient, so over the age of 18. Okay. Um, so assuming we've met that criteria, we're over the age of 18, have been seen in the department within the last three years, how does someone initiate their e-visit? Mm -hmm. So it's done through the MyChart application, which is part of EPIC, um, the Electronic Health Record. Um, and so, so right now it's kind of buried in there, um, but we'll... I think, be talking about making it more clear and obvious to people where they go to start this process. But um, through the MyChart application, patients can navigate to an e-visit um, option. And some other departments use e-visits as well. So um, dermatology, I know, and I think there's like an urgent care e-visit function as well. So right now, you just click e-visit, and then one of the options that's listed, it's like, I have an earache, or at the bottom, I think it says contraception. <laughs> and so by clicking that, then it would take you to our e-visit and our questionnaire. I would love to learn more about the questionnaire. Um, what kinds of information are patients providing when they walk through that process and start this visit? So there are very commonly used questionnaires um, across the U.S. because um, non-physician or non-healthcare uh, provider prescribing of contraception has been uh, introduced in many places, specifically pharmacy um, prescription of contraception. Uh, there's also been a lot of advocacy around 
patient's self-selection for contraception. So thankfully, there was lots of resources out there for us to develop this um, uh, contraceptive questionnaire. And it screens uh, patients for common um, contraindications to certain types of birth control. Almost all patients have some type of of birth control that is available to them. So even, even if there are some contraindications, we usually can find a birth control that will work. Um, but it's a, it's a standardized questionnaire that's, that's been frequently used, um, and it's based on the med- medical eligibility criteria um, and the U.S. selected practice recommendations that all come out of the CDC. I feel like when I've seen these screenings, they'll ask about like age, weight, blood pressure. Is that a common question? Mm-hmm. Um, what else, what other kinds of like health information should people be ready to provide? So it asks about certain medications the patient might be taking, um, which could interact with certain methods. Um some common health conditions like diabetes, um, history of blood clots, um, history of bariatric surgery, um, gallbladder disease, things like that. Just mm-hmm. common things that that uh, can, con- you know, be complications with birth control or, mm-hmm. or can be a contraindication to using certain medications. That was actually going to be my next question, too. Are there any answers people could give during the screening that would make them ineligible for birth control provided this way? Or would it more filter the available set of options mm-hmm. to them um, just based on how they answer some of the, some of the screening questions? Yeah, that's um, an interesting question because as I've been working some of these visits, there have been a couple instances where I've... N- had to think, like, should I send this person a prescription for something that wasn't their first choice, or should I have them come talk with us? And we have either of those options available. So in some instances, so say somebody says that they want a birth control pill, but in their questionnaire they mention that they have migraines with aura, which is like one of the more commonly encountered, I guess, contraindications to estrogen-containing birth control pills, Um, but that patient would still be able to take a progesterone-only pill. Um, So in some instances, I've prescribed based on the answers to the questionnaire, but then put in their instructions. um, So we, after we complete the visit, the patient gets some detailed instructions about the method that was prescribed and follow-up instructions. I can write in there, you know, if you want to discuss other methods, please give us a call. Um, And then we can either get them in person for a visit or we can do a telemedicine visit, which is also remote, but like a a virtual visit with video um, where we can talk one-on-one about like what option is going to be best for them. That makes sense. Um, Okay. So let's say I've gone through the screening process. I filled out my questionnaire. I have, we've kind of, as a patient and provider team, arrived at a good choice for me. Um, How do I now get my birth control that I've been prescribed? Where do I go to acquire it and start using it? 
So at the start of the visit, patients um, indicate what pharmacy they want to use, and we um, send those prescriptions directly to their pharmacy with a year's worth of refills so that they can uh, continue to fill it throughout the year. From a more broad perspective, what kind of role do you think e-visits play in making birth control more accessible and available for patients, um, kind of improving the birth control access space? I think um, younger generations are really comfortable with remotely accessing a lot of different information, and healthcare is is one of those things. There are many um, websites and other organizations that provide really excellent um, comprehensive birth control education. Um, So I think e-visits just dovetail with that. If somebody can go to Bedsider and figure out what birth control that they want and then go to another website and get that birth control prescribed, I think that just makes sense. And it makes a lot of sense for generations that have done everything online their whole lives. So I think e-visits for contraception and e-visits for lots of other types of healthcare are are probably the way of the future Um, and will increase access and and, uh, increase accessibility um, for a lot of people. I know that starting or renewing birth control is a very common reason that people go in to see their um, OBGYN. Um, If people are able to get a prescription for birth control without an office visit, what is the recommendation moving forward for how often we should see our OBGYN providers for things like pap smears, HPV screenings? I know these are complex because there's like algorithms that apply individually to different people, but... How often should we still be going, trying to go in and get checkups, even if we're getting our birth control mostly online? Yeah, so I think that we're in a changing world right now where guidelines are changing, evidence is changing. Um, and so the annual GYN exam is is really becoming a thing of the past. Um, it turns out we were overdoing pap smears. <laughs> um, and too much screening is dangerous um, and has health consequences. And so as we've had um, more and more information, we realize, um, you know, how to to make our screening effective um, and not result in false positives and, and excessive treatments. Um, so currently, um, our guidelines are um, to get PAP screening uh, starting every three years at the age of uh, 21. Um, and then, it, you know, depending on those screening results, Um, extending out to every five years uh, at the age of 30. I will just say that those guidelines are likely to change in the very near future. We're probably going in the direction of primary HPV screening uh, for cervical cancer, and it will probably result in an every five-year screening program. But that is a discussion for a different podcast. and then there's other there's other reasons why people um, may come in to see an OBGYN, but maybe could even have a remote visit for that. Things like uh, screening for sexually transmitted infections. So um, sexually active uh, women, females um, under the age of 25 are recommended to get a chlamydia test annually. Um, and that can be done in an office visit uh, with a public exam, but it can also be done um, with a self-swab or a urine collection. It sounds like e-visits can offer a lot in terms of like convenience and maybe even speed to a certain extent. Um, But do you feel like they are a good fit for every person or 
would a different type of appointment be better fit for some people? Great question. Um, I think it's a great option for somebody who has a good sense of what it is that they want to initiate in terms of a contraceptive method. So somebody who knows they're interested in NuvaRing um, and would like to access that in this fashion. But for people who maybe have some questions about different options available to them or they've had negative experiences with different contraceptive methods in the past and they'd like to have time to really um, dig into that with a healthcare provider. Um, I think our sort of our, our other options for contraceptive care at UW Health, like an in-person visit or a video visit, would be more appropriate for those patients. Yeah, that makes sense. Dr. Bennett and Nicole, thank you both so much um, for spending some time with me today to learn a little bit about e-visits for contraception. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having us. It was fun. The Women's HealthCast is a production of the UW-SMPH Department of OBGYN. This episode is produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can listen to the Women's HealthCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find the UW Department of OBGYN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle at WISCOBGYN. Let us know how we're doing, rate and review us on your podcast app, and let us know what health issues you'd like to learn about at the link in the episode description. Thanks for listening.